This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. If you will, let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 1. It's important now in our service that we have that you press in. This is your time. This is the time you need to press in. Things are coming. Press in. Now, on this we are now in lesson number three of this particular subject on knowing how to stay focused and undistracted. On our third lesson in this, and the subject has not changed, the subject matter has not changed as we go forward, and, you know, on how to stay focused, stay undistracted. And when I say stay focused and undistracted, not only in the Word of God, but period, just period, in life, you need to not, you need to stay focused. You need to be undistracted in all the things that's going on in life because many things are going on. I was just thinking about that and I was thinking about, you know, how young me and our founding pastor was when we started ministry and how, you know, now we're in that spot and my, our children is our age that, we, you know, when we were in ministry and you look back and you say, how time changes and how time moves on. You have no time to waste. Because you only have a span of time. And, and let me tell you, I said it when I was young and I'll say it again. You think you're gonna be young forever, but life changes. Things change. Things change in your life. As you get older, I don't care how much exercise you get and how much this, that, and the other. Life changes. So don't just act like this is going. You know how children act like the high school. That's the only deal. That's the that's, if I don't do this, that's the end of life. They found out after that it was something else. So don't act like you young people. Don't act like you're going to stay young like that. Because I'm going to tell you, I used to be your age. I used to be 24 and 27 and 32 and. 35 and 45 and 55 and all, and you know, all of those numbers. But time kept going. And you look around, and your children have children. Time has passed. And then you ask yourself, have I been focused? Or have I been distracted? We're going to see today if you have or not. The objective of this is to get all of us to hold our course in the midst of our circumstances and our situation. I want you to know everybody has a circumstance and everybody has a situation. You don't have all the deals on it and you're not the only one going through something. Everybody has a circumstance or situation. But we need to hold our course in the midst of that. When I say hold our course, I mean that we need to make sure that we have direction from God of what he's called us to do in the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of our situation. And we need to stay steadfast in whatever direction that he gives you and hold the course. 
See, that's the thing. Hold the course. After he gives you the direction, you got to hold the course. Let me tell you, he might give you some directions that you just don't like. That's when you have to hold the course. Well, now I can do it this way. We always think we can do it better than God. But you can't. you got to learn to hold the course. When he directs you, I'm going to teach you how to find out his direction. But see, first of all, you've got to want his direction. You've got to not want to do your own thing. Look at your life. That all of it is a part of doing your own thing. So now you ought to want to listen to God and say, direct me, God. I've made enough wrong choices. I've made enough of just, just doing foolish things. Are you with me? Now, this is the only way you're going to be useful to God, getting on his plan. Now, in order to be useful in God, write it down. And you know what I had forgotten about? I usually put my notes up here. I have to start back to that. See, we've got to get back into the rhythm. I usually have them up there. But in order to be useful to God, there are two attributes that you must have in your life. It must be in every believer's life. Two attributes. If I'm going to be useful to God, two attributes must be there. First of all, you have to be faithful. You have to be a faithful witness for God. That is an attribute. Faithfulness. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. That has to be in a believer's life if you're going to be useful to God. I must be faithful. Are you with me? When I say faithful, it's not something that uh, comes to us because we come to church every now and then. That's not faithfulness. Are you with me? Faithfulness is a time-tested attribute. That's the thing. Anybody can do something for a week, a month, or two months. But the time test is when you can continue to do it in spite of whatever a circumstance come up. Can you stay consistent and continue to stay the course? That's faithfulness. And God is saying that's an attribute that must be in the heart of every believer. Amen. The second attribute that I think that should be in the life of every believer, if you're going to be used by God, you must be dependable. These two are very important to being used by God. You must be dependable. And there is a difference between dependability and faithfulness. See, some people think they're the same thing, but they're not. There's a difference. There's a difference between dependability and faithfulness. And let me show you how. A dependable person is the one who can keep instructions. A dependable one is the one who can keep instruction. They can do as instructed. This is a dependable person. They can do as instructed. A lot of people can't do as they're instructed. Now, let me tell you the difference. They can do what somebody tells them to do, but they can't do as they're instructed. 
They can do what somebody tells them to do, but they won't do it the way they were instructed to do it. Are you following me? They can do what was asked of them to do, but they cannot do it the way they were instructed to do it. There's a difference. Because sometimes God will tell you to do something and you're faithful to do it. What he wants you, what, what he wants you to do. Okay, I'm going to do it. But you don't want to do it the way he said do it. I'm going to get it done. But how did God say do it? But this is an easier way to do it. Or this is the way I want to do it. No, you can't do it your way. Whatever way that's instructed, you got to do it exactly like that. Are you with me? See, you're dependable, but you want to do it your way. This kind of thing gets you off focus. This kind of thing gets you distracted and you don't even know it. Because I'm now doing opposite of what God has told me to do. Even though it looks like I'm doing exactly what he told me to do. But did you do it how he instructed you to do it? If God has given you instructions, if he said, this is what I want you to do, and you can do it any kind of way you want to, just as long as you get it done, there it is. But if he said, this is the way I want it, this is what I want you to do, this is how much I want you to give, this is how much I want you to take away, this is where I want you to go, this is where I, where I don't want you to go, this is the street I want you to go down. I don't, want to, I don't want you to go down. I want you to go on the toll. You want to go 35 because I want... You, how did, what did he say? Listen to the instructions. You're dependable. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done. I'm just not doing it that way. But did God tell you to do it that way? You're all focus Because you think you're doing the will of God, but you're not doing it his way. God, when God gives instruction and he tells you how he wants it done, it's for a reason. It's a reason why he wants you to go on the toll instead of 35, even though you don't see it. 35 is quicker, yes, but God told you to go the other way. Oh, you know what? I, I, you know what? I have to go there. Remember in our earlier teaching, remember? They wanted to go preach, preach in Asia. That's not God's instructions. But it's, it's a need over there. Well, we're going to deal with this, the, the need thing as well. Amen? So sometimes, listen, God will tell us some things that he wants us to do, and we're faithful to do what he wants us to do, but the distraction comes and pulls us away when we don't do it his way. But if the church and this community, I'm talking about this church in specific, specifically, um, if we're going to be used by God, we've got to do it God's way. We're going to have to be faithful. You listen, you're going to have to be dependable. Dependable to the point, whatever, however God instructed me, that's what I'm going to do. Because he's going to give you instructions. There's nothing worse than a person who is not dependable. You need to be dependable. I'm going to tell you, it's nothing worse. Let me tell you, you get a name for it. People are know you by it. Say, oh, well, you know, they're not dependable. I mean, they, they, I mean, they're nice, but they're not dependable. 
And as a church, we have a great need for people who are dependable. Even this country, we're not, we're not dependable. We're not called dependable anymore because we do what we want to do. We don't serve like we're supposed to. You can't even go into business deals right now. Everybody want to do what they want to. You go into financial deals, you got to make sure everything is right because every, I mean, people are just doing things. Nobody can be sure. That's why you say, God, I got to be hooked in you whatever way you tell me. That's the way I'm going. So in order to be used by God, you and I have to be, number one, faithful, number two, dependable. Are you with me? So, according to this subject matter that we're talking about, being faithful, I mean being focused, and being under structure, we have to do that on a daily basis. That's going to help keep us focused and undistracted. You might not think it means anything. You might not think that, that it has anything to do with you being focused and, un, and distracted, but it does. It's amazing to me how easy the body of Christ is distracted. Very easy. The body of Christ will get distracted in a moment. You get distracted when you are, listen, this is how you know when you're being distracted. You're not growing spiritually. When you're not growing spiritually, you're easily distracted. Anyone who's always distracted, they're always moving around. And they're always this place and that place and doing this and doing that. It's because they're not growing spiritually. Spirituality and growing spiritually stabilizes you. And when you're all over the place, it's because you're not growing spiritually. I'm trying to get you to understand something here. Because, see, growing spiritually has nothing to do with your spiritual personality that you show people. Your outward appearance, that external thing, has nothing to do with, with your spirituality. People just see it. But it does have to do with how much Bible... Listen, this, now this is one thing that you need to understand because people get caught up in that and they think people are very spiritual. I don't care how much Bible you say you know. I don't care how much you, that you can memorize. I don't care how much you can speak in tongues. That doesn't mean that you're spiritual. That doesn't mean that you've grown spiritually because you can do those things. See, on the external, that, all of that is external, what people see. But spiritual, let me, a person that is spiritual is going to stay focused. But if you're all over the place, you can do all of those things. Read your Bible, you can quote scripture, you can memorize it, you can do all of that. And still be not growing spiritually. Are you with me? Being spiritual or spiritual growth is when you and I are able to hold that which is good, that which God has already imparted to us. We hold it no matter what. And as we hold what God has imparted to us, we add to it. We build on it. We add to it virtue. We add to it. So have you added to what God has placed in you? L listen to me. We must 
Add to what God has already imparted in us. Add to it. I like what Second Peter, the first chapter, it says, you know, we should add to our faith virtue. Add to it. And listen. Add to that which you have confidence in. What you have learned and been taught, you have confidence in, you got to add to it. You can't just stay there. you got to add to it. Add to your belief. Build it. We add to it virtue. And with the virtue, then you add knowledge. You stack it. We, I'm stacking it. I'm not just believing. I'm stacking it. I'm stacking it from virtue. I'm knowledge. I'm building on it. Why? Because that keeps me focused and undistracted. But when you're not going spiritually, you're all over the place. You don't know what you want to do. You don't know how to even do it. You're just all over the place. That's a person that's distracted. Oh, they come up with another idea. No, no, they come up with this. Oh, they got this. Oh, God. No, they are spiritually not growing. Some people are impressed with people that's all over the place. No, you must be stable. And you know what? In virtue, you will find faithfulness. If you put virtue, if you add virtue to what you believe, to what you've been taught, I promise you, you'll become a faithful person. In virtue, you'll also find dependability. Person that has that that that's uh, has the virtue and stacking on it, they are dependable. And then you add knowledge. And you belong to this ministry, you're going to get knowledge. So you and I, we need to concentrate on being dependable, on being faithful, and holding our course. In the midst, I want you to use me, God, and i got to hold this course. Sometimes you look at people and you say, well, God, why aren't you using me like you're using them? Ask yourself, why? Why, you, you, know, you know, why? Why are you using them? Maybe this area right here, dependability. Well, I come to church. See, it's not about coming to church. It's more to it than that. You want God to use you? You got to be faithful and dependable. And you got to stack virtue on that. And you got to stack knowledge on that. And you got to walk in that. You add it to what you already have. Because one thing that God will do, and I've said it in time past, I've said it, God will give us anything He can trust us with. So God said, I want to trust you. I want to do something in your life. He'll give us anything that he can trust us with. Some of you wondering why, God, I've been asking for this for so long and why can't I get it? Because he can't trust you with it. Some things that you're asking God for, God said, if I give you that, you'll leave me. If I allow you to get that, you'll, be, you'll run off, won't see you no more. God will give you anything that he can trust you with. Did you hear me? So maybe he can't trust you to hold fast to the course. So he can't use you. 
See, I believe this in my heart, and I thank God for my deacons. I thank God for the ministers at this church. I believe in this. My founding pastor believed in it, and I believe in it as well. A good, sound staff that you're working with, you know what? They must be people you can depend on and that can hold a course. My pastor watched for that, and so do I. They must be dependable and stay the course. And the ministers and the deacons here, that's what they do. That's what they do. Because it takes a lot off of me because you know what it does for me? It tells me I don't need to know or worry. Are they getting bent out of shape because of this or because of that? Are they getting, are they listening to some wrong information and get out, been out of shape? I have full confidence that any wrong information that come to any minister here that's on staff here with, with me and any deacon here, I don't have to worry about them messing with it, hanging with it and listening to it. And so that frees me up because I have confidence in them. They don't let anybody move. Well, first of all, people not people only come to people that they can influence like that. They won't come to those that won't. But I'm confident in them. They're dependable. Because I need to know that the people that I'm working with in this ministry and God has moved to, I want to know, are you helping me keep this ship afloat? I don't need you getting distracted about some negative talk and foolish stuff and all of that. I mean, my God, then I'm like, all I need to know is one time that you caught up in that, and I don't need you helping and surrounding me. I need dependable people that I can call on at any time that can move. That's the kind of people that you want on your side. That's the kind of people I'm thankful for. And, I, and I, I've said this to people in private, but I like to say this out loud because I want the whole church to know. I'm so thankful for all the ministers and all of the, the deacons here. Now, most of our ministers are males, but I'm telling you, I don't have to worry when I'm with them. I'm a widow. I'm not married any longer. Not a one of them would ever flirt with me. Actually, they more they, they they more just look at me as a mother figure, and I love that. I'm never afraid to be alone with them. They never act. They never say nothing out of the way. They never look at me in any other kind of way where I would be concerned and have to say, "Oh Lord, I got to fight this off," and they need to stand the play. None of that. All of that's a part of being dependable. I mean, they respected their founding pastor, and I was his wife. But besides that, just as a woman of God, and they basically just see me, you know, as a mother figure. And I love that. Because I don't, I don't have to say, oh, God, let me get somebody to go back here with me. I'm going to deal with so-and-so because, you know, he's looking all crazy. Oh, no. And you know why that is? They're real men of God. See, that's, that's it right, right there. They're real men of God. Real men of God know their place. So that's, not some, that's something off my plate I don't have to worry about. I don't have to think about. And this is one thing you need to know when you get hooked into me. 
and you start surrounding yourself with me and doing things with me, around me, note, note this, note this for yourself. It's, it, you, it seems like it's easy. But when you start hanging around with the pastor or talking to the pastor and, and kind of in, in, you know, in their presence and doing that, let me tell you, the devil is going to get busy. Listen how he's going to get busy. He's not going to get so busy on the pastor as much as the pastor is going to stand. He gets rid of those that surround her or him, my case her, and what he does is he begins to try to use them in any kind of way to distract her. See, you thought I was going to say start flirting. No, no, no. The enemies say, okay, they're pretty close to her, so I need to put certain kind of language in their mouth, certain kind of things that they say, or you know, come out to distract her. That's why it's not good to just come up and just talk to me about anything. Because the enemy is there to use you to just distract me. That's why I don't need to know everything about everything. Because that's a distraction. Especially if it's nothing that I have to, I have to do with me. But that's a good enemy. He said, oh, I need to make sure that they're doing this. Now, be balanced with that. Some things I need to know, and you should. But I'm just talking about just talking off the top of your head. No, ma'am. No, sir. Check yourself and say, nope, yep, that, that, you know, the enemy, the enemy wants to want to use me to distract her, to get her off focus, talking about something that means nothing. Amen. Because sometimes I just listen. I'm wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Sometimes I just listen. And then I recognize the distraction. And all I do is take a step backwards. Because I know what God has called me to. Are you following me? That's the first thing that the enemy is going to do. Let me get those that surround her, those that are close to her, those that she spends time with. Let me do different things to make sure that they are distracting her. Are you with me? The closer you get to me, the more attacked you're going to be in that area. Know that. Because the closer you get to me, I'm telling you, the devil is going to try to throw me off balance. See, the ultimate is me, not you. But he'll use whoever he can. And he said, I need to get her off balance. I know people will always say, I like to, I'd like to do this in the church, I'd like to do that in the church, you know, you know. But the more a church grows, the more dependable you have to be. Did you hear me? The more dependable you have to be. And this church has a calling upon it, and it's a calling to do a great job. I know you don't see it all yet, but you will, to do a great job. And I'm going to need people doing a particular thing, a particular job, and doing it faithfully, all the time, dependably, as I instruct it. 
And now I need them to do that day by day, week by week, month by month. How did, how did pastors say do it? But well, yeah, but we could do it this way. No, 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 no. That's not the instruction. Because when I give instructions, I try to give it detailed enough where you know exactly what I want. Because it's for a purpose. Are you with me? So then not only when we get to that place and we understand what's going on, not only can God trust us, but we'll learn to trust each other. And that's the faithful thing, to be able to trust each other. Now, let's review a little, and we really, you know, uh, again, go, I hope you're in Philippians chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to get into that. And, you know, I want, I, I want to keep it fresh, in, this one thing fresh in our mind. Listen to me. We are not to be led by the need, but we should be led by the Spirit. I want to keep that in, I want to keep that in the forefront of your mind. We should not be led by a need, but by the Spirit. Now, that almost, almost sounds paradoxical because, because we're called as people to meet needs. But that, that, that's when you have to make sure God is leading you to that need. Sure, God has called us as believers to help those that are in need. But you can't help every need. God has people. A genuine need, God has somebody genuinely to fix that, to, to fulfill that need. And it may not be you. So you just can't jump to it just because you want to. You have to say, wait a minute. Let me see if God would have me fulfill that need in, every, in, 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 in anyone's life. See, we jump too quick. And God said, now, I, didn't, I had somebody else to fulfill that need because I was going to deal with that. that and you just interrupted my flow. You can't help God. Do what he wants to do. Now God will use you, but you can't help him and tell him how it should be done. Are you following me? Now, and again, that all of that, you know, all of that goes back to being dependable. Are you with me? You and I, to do as God has instructed us to do, it goes back to being dependable. Every person is not ordained to fix every person's need. It can distract you. It can distract you from what God called you to do, even though you're meeting a need. Because God didn't tell you to do it. Now you're distracted. God said, no, I had something else for you. I had someone else to tend to that need, and you just bogarted that and tended to that need. And now the need that I wanted you is going unmet. Because why? I didn't ask God. You know, when things come up as pastor, so many things have come up this week. I mean, this, that, and that, and this, and it, all of those things, they come up, and I, was, and, and, and I just laid across my bed, and I said, you know what? I said, man, pastor, you really, you really had a lot to deal with. Because, see, everybody looks at this, and they think this is what it's all about. And then when everything is, you know, this thing is happening and that thing is happening and you're getting information about this and you're getting information about that. And then as a pastor, you have to put all of that stuff down and then you have to sift through it and make sure that before I give all of my attention here, i got to make sure I'm lining up with the Word of God. See, because somebody said, okay, this is what 
you need to do. Well, you can't tell me what I need to do because God has already told me what I need to do. And I can't jump on that because I'm already doing something that's something else that you, that you probably never know about. And that's okay. But you don't, you, you know, you can't just put something on my plate and think it's a good idea for me to do something. I can't do that. I gotta sift through and see where God wants me to be at the time He wants me to be. Because He has other people for different I don't go by need. I go as I'm directed by God. I'm led by the Spirit of God at the time that I'm led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Everything has to line up with God. Everything has to line up with God. So everybody think that a need that comes up has to be, you must respond. But God has to ordain you to respond. And I'm going to always be led like that. And because I believe in my heart, every, every legitimate need, God has already got somebody to fulfill that. Whether it's me, whether it's you, whether it's someone else, he has that. So the first thing I have to do, the first thing I have to do when it comes to, to, um, to, to situations, I put them in line. I make sure whatever I do, that it has to be done according to keeping me on the course that God has placed me on. Uh, placed me on. I cannot get off that. Because once I get off of where the course that God and try to, try to satisfy what you want me to do, now I'm off course. Now I'm off focus. And now I'm distracted. Now I'm like, oh, oh, no. I can't. Oh, well, I wonder why. Pastor haven't done this. I wonder how pastor has to do. Because I sift through. Because, see, you're on the other side looking in. So I, I can't do it to please you. i got to follow the leading of the Spirit. That's why when every, t- every time you see a situation in an, air, in an area that looks like a need, don't run to it. Don't respond to it. Say, now wait a minute, let me ask God. That's why the Bible says in all your ways, acknowledge me. Don't just jump out and start doing stuff. Acknowledge me first. Well, I know I had to do that. I had. But how? Why? In all your ways. He didn't say some. He said, so even when you want to fulfill a need, acknowledge me first. So why? So you can stay on course. So that you can stay focused. So that you, see, we think I cannot be distracted. This got to be what he wants because I'm meeting a need. But no, you can be distracted meeting a need, especially one God didn't tell you to fulfill. And now you're off course. You're off the path. And now it's going to take time for you to get back on that path. Be very careful with that. We're talking about staying focused. And undistracted. Now we left off last last week in the book of of, of uh, Philippians. <laughs> Every time I look at that, I almost want to say Philippines. But uh, <laughs> in the book of Philippians, and and listen, let, let me just say this before we go into the book of Philippians. Understand this: you're acknowledging Him; He's directing your path. Listen, therefore, you. 
myself, anyone else, this is how it keeps us from dibbling and dabbling into things in areas that we should not. It keeps us from dibbling and dabbling into things that you should not, things that are not ordained. Because that can cause conflict in the body of Christ. Did you know that? When you're doing things outside of the will of God and just because it was a need, sometimes it will bring conflict in the body of Christ. You don't need that. There's a different emphasis on ministry. I want you to get that. We have to stay the course. And the devil is good at using legitimate Godly needs to get you off course. Did you hear that? The devil is perfected in that. Legitimate, godly need to get you off focus. Because God didn't tell you to do it. Did you hear me say it was genuine? It really was a need. Did you hear me say it was godly? It's a godly need. But did God tell you to run to it? I don't care if it's even in your family. Did God tell you to run to it? Sometimes God is trying to let people grow up and you're still interfering. You're all focused. I know you think you're focused, but God is telling you this morning, no, you're not. You're not focused. You're distracted. So, so guess what? So the enemy every time is going to use that path to distract you. Because, oh, you weak in that area. I can always come this way and you'll bend. We can't do that. Are you in Philippians chapter 1? Let, 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 let's go on to Philippians chapter 1. I want to get to verse 10, but I'm going to start from the, from the top. Paul, let me take these glasses off for a minute. Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ, to all of the saints in, G in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you, you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both is in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record. How greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that, you love, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowing and in all judgment. That you may approve, underline approve for me, things that are excellent, underline excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Now, let's set the atmosphere here on what he's talking about here. We're going to set that atmosphere. Let's look at what's happening with the apostle. This is, this is, is Paul, and he is writing 
Understand this. You got to have this background. He is writing and he's being led by the Spirit, but he is in a Roman jail. He's writing this from jail. He's writing this from prison. And he said, and, I, and, and this is what I, I love in verse, let, look, at, look at verse 11. He said, I want you, no, I, w- I want you to look at that, that word. Let, let, let's go back up. That word approve here, that means, that word approve, put over it, test or try. Just write it in your Bible. You can't write in your Bible, throw it away. Write in there, write over the word approve, put test or try. That word excellence. Here, in this, in this particular context, in this particular context, it means that which differs. That which differs. Now, I looked it up, up these words in the Greek, and I didn't want to come to you with all of the Greek stuff, because you're not going to look any of that up. So, but this is what it means, that which differs, that word excellence. So we can read it like, like, you know, we can read it in this manner and, and, and see we can read it from the Hebrew mind when we can see it like this. Are you with me? And, 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 and what he's meaning, he said, I may test so that, I, he said, that ye may test things that are, are that which differs. Differs from what? What you've been taught. What you know. He said, test it. See, we look at that in our English language and you'll miss it. Because when you go to the Greek and start dissecting those words and seeing what they mean, it says, test that which is different. That which differs. Differs from what you have believed. Actually, if you take the AP off of approve, it's just prove or test. So he's saying you have to test, test, that which differs. So if something comes to me that's different from what I've been taught, I gotta test it. Don't just accept it. I gotta test it. So when you read verse 10 in this manner, you understand that. I gotta test it. And I like what he said. Test it, that which differs, that you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. When you test it, And you find out why it's different and say, nope. He says, so that you can be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. And so anyone that's going down a course that differs from what God has told you to do, test it. Somebody come with you. I got a prophecy for you. I got a word from the Lord from you. And this is what God is telling me about this. And this is what God is telling me about that. Did it differ what he told you? If so, test it. Well, there's the test. This is different from what God told me. Not just say, oh, oh, I need to change up because they told me God said, well, don't you know how to hear from God? I'm talking to believers. Does it differ from what God told you? You were going down the course. Somebody come and tell you something totally different from what you heard from God. As a matter of fact, you're going down the course this morning, and somebody come and tell you something different from what you're learning this morning. Test it. 
Because I'm going to prove it to you here. So that you can stay, listen, sincerely on the path that God has called you to. Without offense. Because I know what God has told me to do. I like what he says. Listen to verse 11. He said, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. But I would ye, un- ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel. Listen to me. I'm telling you what he's saying. The Apostle Paul is saying here that me being in bonds is furthering the gospel. Me being in prison is furthering the gospel. Listen to it. Now that amazes me. That amazes me about Apostle Paul how powerful his life was and how he lived his life. Listen. He is sitting in jail Fulfilling a need that God called him to. He just said, in my bonds is furthering the gospel. He could easily be like one of us sitting in jail saying, God, why am I here? You know I love you and you know I've been preaching the gospel all this time. How did I end up here? God, can you get me out of here? You know, those same angels that you sent when me and Paul were, I mean, when me and Silas was kept, can you send them now to deliver me? No, he's here ministering to those that are free. Furthering the gospel as he sits in jail. We would have been saying, God has forsaken me. After all that I've done and all I've been through, and here I am in jail. Well, have you ever thought about it? Now, when, when him and Silas was in jail, they came and shook that thing and the jails opened. They walked right out. If God wanted him out, could God get him out? He's the same. He don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God wanted Paul out, he would have been out. He said, but in these bounds, I'm furthering the gospel. I said, this is a mighty man here. This is a man that's focused. This is a man that's undistracted, even by prison. Even by jail, he's undistracted. What a powerful man. Sure, God could get him out. But he didn't. Look at verse 13. So that my bonds in Christ, catch that there. He said his bonds in Christ. He didn't say Caesar put him in bonds. He said my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. Now, this is equivalent to say my bonds in Christ. Now, I'm going to bring it to today what this is basically saying. He said, in all the palaces, in other places, it would be equivalent to say, well, my bonds, I'm, I'm in jail, I'm in prison for Christ's sake, and President Biden knows. Governor Abbott knows. 
People in high places, they know. He said, it's already known in all the palaces and everywhere that my bonds are of Christ. See, he's furthering the gospel right there. He don't have to go and sit in the palace. He was ministering to him because he wasn't, he wasn't put in, in jail because he was missing child support payments and murder. No, no, no. He was in jail for Christ's sake, for preaching the gospel. And he said, all of them know in all the palaces and all the other places. They know why I'm here. Paul is awesome. Awesome, awesome. Now, verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord, listen, waxing confident by my bonds. People are hearing about it, and they're getting bold. They're getting dear. He said, because I'm in jail, many of the brethren, they're getting stronger. Like, what? Oh, no. He stood. I'm th- he, let's read it again. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, and much more bold to speak the word without fear. They got bolder just because they saw him stand strong and go in jail for preaching the gospel. Say, they, they done got bold. Now that's awesome. To me, now that's awesome. He is doing a work sitting in a jail. <laughs> Y'all don't get it. Sitting in a jail. They then said, oh my God, we're going we gonna, to we gonna preach even more. We're going to go forth. I, if he's in jail, they, they can put me in a cell next to him, but I'm going to preach. God. He said they done got bolder. Mm-mm-mm. I, I love that. And I'm like, oh my God, this man, he knew what he was Again, focused. Focused and undistracted. Are you with me? Focused and undistracted. Can we be that, make that bold statement? And even though I'm tied up in the things of God, people are getting bolder just because I am. Hmm. I love it. Let me read it again. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, and much more bold to speak the word without fear. There's no fear there. They're going forth. He said, because I'm here, they have a... And, and, and not only because I'm here, my conduct while I'm here. My conduct while I'm here. They're hearing about it. And the whole primary theme of this whole book is he's sitting in jail and writing people that are free. You would think the people that are free would be writing him and saying, Paul, hang in there. We know you love the Lord. And we know that there's roaches and rats in that prison and they might not be feeding you well. Hang in there and we, we're here for you. But they weren't writing him. He was writing them. I, I, every time I, I think on that, I'm like, God, this man was something. A prisoner sending ministry out from jail. And that's why he kept saying, and you, as we read on, you see, that's why he said, everybody have the same mind. Think the same way. 
Always stay in the same mind. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. Don't be split up in mind. That's what we need to be in this ministry. Have the same mind. You need to have the same mind that your pastor have. You need to have the same mind that your ministers have. What the deacons have. The lay people. Everybody should have the same mind. That's the first thing he talks about a lot in this book. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And he talked about grace and peace. This man is doing all of this while in chains in prison. And again, this man is, again, he's in a Roman jail. And he's writing all of this out. He didn't say, look at them, those thug heathen, they drinking, they getting high, they doing all that. They should be in jail and I should be out. No, he was still ministering. And I'm talking, when I say the, the, the thugs drinking, and I'm talking about believers that were doing it. They should have been in here. He never said it. He just ministered out to them. And just think, you, you got things going on with you that's not nearly as severe as this. And you're easily distracted. He stayed focused and he was in prison. I mean, my God, your light bill come and you distracted. Well, the first coming, you got to pay the mortgage. You distracted. And this man's in jail and just as focused and undistracted. Why? Because he has a relationship with God and he's hooked into God. He's on his course. When you're on your course, you don't, nothing else matters. I'm doing the will of God. He said, rejoice in the Lord. And I'm telling you, that's something to rejoice about. God has taught us to, that we should be steadfast. Unmovable. That's what he's showing. This man held his court. Steadfast. Unmovable. Never. Paul never got off course. And this man, not only this, this man was shipwrecked. This man was beaten and left for dead. And still got back up. As a matter of fact, they beat him so bad in one city and they left him out in the street for dead. And here come God coming by and say, Paul. And Paul's like, hmm, hmm, hmm. Because they he said, get up. And Paul is, he's almost, he's beaten half to death. He's like, God, I mean, it's better for me to go on over. Did God say, well, no, not yet. Not today and tomorrow don't look good either. Get up. And he got up. Because he was on course. God had a plan. God said, yeah, I know you would like to come home, but it's better for you to be there because they need you there. Now, beaten half to death, you'd be like, well, I'm through with this. You know, I'm going on. They don't want it. I don't have to go through all of this. But he got up. See, this wasn't the first thing. That's why when you read where Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever state that I'm in, it's because he's gone through all of that and he stayed focused. He stayed undistracted with everything going on, all kinds of wrong going on, to the glory of God. That's why we can teach about him today and continue to teach about him. Because he glorified God. Now, verse 15. 
Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. Now, that's just crazy. But people do. Some people start whole ministries because somebody else had a ministry and I don't like what they said and I can do it too. So I'm going to do it. See, that's just envy. Strife. Some people in the church, let's, let's, let's just put ministry on the whole for a minute, but some people just envy in church. I can do it better than them. I need to do that. No, you don't need to do that. Whoever's doing it need to do it. Because you think you can do it better don't mean you need to do it. For envy and strife. And where there's envy, there's always going to be some strife. That's next. They cousins. They gon' and they tight cousins. Anywhere you find envy, strife is close behind. Right there kicking with it. Are you with me? The one thing you need to understand, you don't have to be envy of what anybody's doing because guess what? If God called you to it, it's gonna succeed. If God didn't, it'll fail. Period. If God called you to, God have never called any man to fail. Every man God has called is to succeed. You have a calling on your life, and I'm not talking about a ministry calling. If you, let me tell you, you're already called. You got the ministry of reconciliation, you're already called. And God has not set you up for failure. God wants you succeeding. So you don't have to be in envy. And strife. You don't have to be in envy and strife about who's around the pastor and who's not. All of that is foolishness. And it gets you distracted and off path. If you find yourself in a lot of strife and odds with people, think on it. Think about the strife. And strife is usually brought on by pride. I guarantee you that. So see, a person can't see see it because pride, you don't have to necessarily can see that. Usually when a person is always thinking that everybody's trying to get them, it's usually because they are in pride. Listen, they are prideful. If everybody is after you and everybody's trying to get you, you are in pride and you have not looked at the errors of your ways. I'm, uh, that's from God, not me. Everybody's out to get you. They just don't like me. Why? Why? Why would somebody just not like you? Nobody does that. There's always a reason why somebody don't like you. Whether it's for doing something right or wrong. They cannot like you for doing something right. They cannot like you for doing something wrong. But it's a reason why somebody don't like you. They cannot like you because you got that job. I mean, it's many reasons, but it's a reason why a person don't like you. Nobody just walks up on somebody and says, you know what, I just don't like you. No. It doesn't work like that. It's a re something happened for them not to like you. Whether good, bad, or indifferent, something happened for a person not to like you. 
I don't know why they don't like me. I never done anything. You may have done something that you don't even know about. Do you know you can you can you can offend somebody and not even know it? And they could not like you. So it's something that you did if somebody don't like you. Hopefully it's for doing something good, but it's not necessarily that. Because, see, you can tell people the truth and they not like you. Hmm. But nobody just up and not like you. Something's wrong that caused them not to like you. You done something. Think about whoever you think that don't like you. Something you done, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but you done something. Did you hear me? Is something going on in their mind. Now, those of us that are spiritual, listen, we don't get angry when people don't like us. I could care less. Spiritual people don't get angry because somebody don't like them. I'm sure some of you out there don't like me. It doesn't, none of that matters. Spiritual people do not get angry because somebody don't like you. That's the way I stay focused. You can put plenty of things in my ear about a person, what they said, what they did, but guess what? When they fall in front of me, I'm going to treat them with respect. Because it does not matter whether they like me or not. Because let me tell you, if, I mean, if you don't know this, you need to know this now. A person not liking you, that's a part of the life of the believer. If you love by everybody, you need to check it. That's part of the life of a believer that you're not going to be liked. I don't care how much they tell you they like you. <laughs> Are you with me? Now, uh, let me just say this so that anybody that may hear this or may think so you'll know and you won't have to sweat it. As far as I'm concerned, if somebody don't like me, there's only two people's opinions or two persons or two uh, uh, that opinions that I value. And that's God and the other person is not on the planet. Those are the only two that I really value their opinion. And that's my husband's, and he's not on the planet, and God. Everybody else's opinion is like a nose. Everybody have one, and I don't want yours. So if you want to know what, what does she feel about, well, you know, she really don't care about anybody's opinion but Pastor Hill, and he's in heaven and God, so, so it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter if you don't like me. That's your opinion. It doesn't matter what you think of me or what somebody put in your ear. Let me tell you, if somebody put anything in your ear about me or about my family, I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're, you're distracted and unfocused. I already know that. You are, you, 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 you're unfocused because you let them put it in your ear. Because, you know, people like to hear, 
giftings. But I'm here to tell you, they can only do that because you're distracted. A person can only get in your ear if you're distracted. I don't care how much you say you are, you know, I'm not distracted, I'm on point, I'm with God. Well, can anybody get in your ear? If anybody can say anything in your ear about someone else, you're distracted. Are you with me? Uh, What verse are we on? Oh, okay, yes, 15, 16. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention. Mm. Not, just not contention, just not, just want to fuss about everything. Let's do apologetics. Let's do all that kind of foolishness. Not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds. Now look. This is what you need to, let me explain this to you. You can't focus and stay undistracted and move forward in a place of unrighteousness. Did you hear me? You cannot. If you're in a place of unrighteousness, there's no way you're going to stay focused. No way. No way you're going to be, stay, uh, uh, be uh, uh, you're going to be very distracted. Why? Because you, if you're in a place of unrighteousness, well, let me put it this way. If you're in a place of having sex outside of marriage, they're like, oh, there she goes. No, not there she goes, because I don't care what you do. There God goes. Not me. Because it's not me. Because as a married woman that was married 43 years, I've had all the sex I want to have. I don't, I don't need to have it. Forty-three years of sex is enough to get me to the kingdom. So it's not me. But I want you to know for a surety, when you're standing in unrighteousness, there's no way you're focused. You are distracted. But listen to me closely, because this is where people miss it. Okay, let's not let, let, let's get off of fornication, the actual act. You're fornicating in your head. You got wrong thoughts. You're lying. You're cheating. You're stealing. You're doing whatever it is. You're standing in a place of unrighteousness. You are all focused and are distracted. Know that. You can't, you will never be able to focus like that. You will never be able to move forward like that. But before you can move forward, you first have to move lateral and get out of unrighteousness into righteousness before you can move forward. You're not gonna move forward. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much you read your Bible. And you're doing everything opposite of what the Word says? No, sir, no, ma'am. You will not move forward with God. You're only going to move forward when you laterally move from unrighteousness to righteousness. Then God's able to move you forward. 
If you're rebelling against your parents and you want to do this and you're doing everything opposite that, you're standing in a place of unrighteousness. You're not focused. I was ministering to someone that just had a little struggle that called me and I said, right here, right now, this is what I need you to do. And after I got to tell them, they said, you know what, I never thought of, I never thought to do that. I said, no, because, see, the longer you put things off, the longer you stay out of righteousness. You have, you have the ability to do it right here, right now. Yes, ma'am, I'm going to do that right now. You got to do it right now. So you can laterally move yourself into righteousness and stop. Because and, you're not going to move forward with God on how much you come to church. People think coming into this building make them right, but it doesn't. And guess what? Unrighteousness is not necessarily open sin. See, we see we're talking about fornication, but no, 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 no. You can stand unrighteously, and it's not open sin. Are you with me? Because unrighteousness means this. It simply means I'm not aligned with God. So let's just take sex off the table. Are you aligned with God? Are you aligned with Him in every area of your life? Are you aligned with Him in your tithes and offerings? Are you aligned with Him in taking care of your obligations at home? Are you aligned with Him, uh, I mean, just, just in your relationship, in your understanding, in all of that, with your children? Are you in aligned with God? Because if not, you're in unrighteousness. See, it might not be open sin, but it's unrighteous. And God said, nope, you got to move over laterally and get to righteousness. Did you hear me? Unrighteousness can be, I'm just not standing right where God wants me to stand. You can be an unrighteous, it ain't nothing, it looks like you are, but I'm just not standing where God wants me to stand. That's a type of unrighteousness, and you can't move forward. And let me tell you, you can be, you can want to do this, that, and the other. You can let family member draw you into this, that, and the other. And God said, you are just not standing nowhere where I want you. Some of you, I can see what God wants to do. He can't do it because you're too caught up with your family doing what they want you to do and doing this and doing that. And God's like, I'll never be able to use you. You can't move forward with me. You always, you got to laterally move from that. When you're trying to move forward with God and you're getting into righteousness, then I don't care if it's family member, I don't care if it's boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, whoever it is, you have to say, look, this is the way, I'm going to do this the right way. And I know nothing might not be going on with you and God, but something is going on with me and God, and i got to be in right standing with Him, and I'm I'm all off the beaten path. And loving God, and I can't even... Why is it I can't move forward? Why isn't it... I want to ask the question. Why isn't it you've been in this ministry this long, and you don't, you're not even apt to teach? You're not even in a position to teach. Ask yourself. You ought to be in a position to teach. I didn't say being called to a ministry, but are you just apt to teach? It's probably because you've been in unrighteousness the whole time. 
And God can't use you or move you forward until you get in right standing. What does that mean? When I, Until I get to stand where God wants me to stand. That's all it is. I have to stand where God wants me to stand. Are you with me? You're not going to move forward from a position of unrighteousness. You know why? Because there's a door closed. Haven't you seen how tight it's closed? Aren't you tired of running into that door? That door is closed. And God won't let you through. He won't let you through. You find people banging and banging and banging on that door. And they're even trying to do what they, they think God wants them to do for that door to open. If it don't open, check your righteousness. Don't check anything else. Say, wait a minute, God. Why is this? If you're sick and diseased in your body, don't check God. Check your righteousness. If you want God to do something about your situation and He haven't, check your righteousness. Because don't act like you're checking God. And don't even act like God didn't come through. God can't do anything but come through. But have you checked your righteousness? And I'm not talking about just verbally, I know I'm right with God. Because God, remember, God doesn't listen to what you say verbally. God listens to the heart. Because, see, I've seen people ill. And they say, God, forgive me for everything. Just for everything that I've done. You know, I just covered everything. I plead the blood of Jesus just over everything. And that sounds good externally for people to hear and say, well, they got right with God. But God said, you said all that to get healed. But I've checked your heart. And I'll let you up off that bed. You're going to return to the same thing. Because it's not a heart issue. It's I need you to work for me, God. That's called being off focus. Distracted. Just repent. And God will do this. Just repent. Just say you repent. And that's it. I want you to get an understanding because I, I, sometimes I think we misunderstand it because we're all focused, especially in this day and time with all the things that are going on with, with people, with COVID and sickness and disease and death and, and, and those things. Understand this. God works through doctors. Doctors are a good gift. We never taught in this ministry that you shouldn't go to a doctor. You better run to one. Nine times out of ten, God is going to heal you through a doctor. Listen to me closely, because this is very important that you know. Because it has to do with being all focused. And see, you will be in the grave being all focused. If the doctor says... You have cancer, and you have X amount of days to live. That's what they see. 
You not saying it? Are you saying they're lying? Are you saying I'm not believing it? Does not make it so. And that is not faith. Because they're telling you what they naturally see. And it is the truth by the mechanism that they use to see your body, your natural body. Listen to me closely. If you are a believer, see, this will let you know if you've been out focus. If you are a believer, healing is not as God wills. Healing is not as God wills. Healing is the children's bread. He sent his word and healed you. Healing is a benefit right. You have a right to be healed. But let me tell you something. If you have messed around with your life on a sick bed, but not believing, not going through all, when God worked through doctors and things that they wanted you to do, you would not do or you would, didn't want to do and wasn't going to do and all of that, that stuff and wasting time fooling around, this, that, that, trying to make your faith work. Listen, the devil stole your healing through the doctor because God was going to work that way. See, we always think that it just has to be miraculous. No, no, no. Miraculous is different. Miracles are different. So what are you praying for? Healing or a miracle? I just want God to heal me. Well, then that's a process. So I got to go to the doctor. I got to get treatment. I got to listen to what they said. And I have to tell you, every time I take a treatment, every time they give me medicine, I have to tell them, thank you, God, that you are the healer. They're just treating me. But thank you, God, for the good gift. That they're making me comfortable. Thank you, Lord, that you have placed the knowledge in them for this natural body to a limitation. But until that limitation, God, your glory can get me through this. But I'm going to obey the doctors. But my healing comes from the Lord. And I don't move from that. I don't move from that. Now, if you are believing for a miracle... Which is what most people are really believing for when they're saying healing, but they don't even know it. But let me tell you something. Do you know you don't have to have faith for a miracle? It has nothing to do with your faith. What? No. Faith is for your healing. A miracle is as God wills. A supernatural intervention on the natural course of life, what's going on in your body. It has nothing. And it's spontaneously. Bam. You up and you aren't gone. Everything is cleansed, gone out. Bam. Done. has nothing to do with your faith. It has to do with God's will. And that's a miracle. But healing is different. Healing your faith is involved. Listen, this is very important because it shows how people are off focus 
in sickness. You have to say, okay, God, I see where I am. I heard what the doctor said. And if perhaps, or if for some reason, the doctor said, it is nothing else we can do for you. It's nothing else that we can do. We're, you know, we can't give you any treatments. We can't, it's nothing else we can do for you. Well, you can forget. Healing is off the table when it comes to the doctor. Now you need a miracle. Did you hear me? You, what are you talking about healing? They just told you everything is wrong. Nothing, they have no, they have nothing in the medical field that can fix you. That's basically what they're saying. So now I need a miracle. So now what do I do? Because a miracle is as he wills. So now I go back to the table and I say, God, I missed it. See, if you can't even acknowledge you missed it, you're never going to get what you need. God, I missed it. Somehow I let this healing get away from me. Somehow I let it get stolen. Whatever way it was, I don't care if it was somebody talking negative to you. I don't care if you just didn't believe the doctors. I don't care if the pain was too severe and you just didn't want to go on anymore. Whatever it is, it's gone. But God, I come to you now. And Father, I'm asking for a miracle. Show me where I missed it. Because I missed it. I acknowledge I missed it. Because you can't, God. You can't miss it. And healing is the children's bread. It belongs to me. And I should have been healed. But you cannot be healed being back and forth, in and out, and cause, and thinking your faith is working in that area. You cannot. Because always remember, there is an enemy. There is an adversary. And he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. That's ultimate. He's not trying to play around with you. He's not trying to prolong life. He wants you dead. Period. Period. Five T's behind it. That's what he wants. But you can go to God. Because what's on the table for you is a miracle. The table that he's going to set in the presence of your enemy, the entree, is a miracle. But you've got to come and acknowledge, God, I've missed it. But I need a miracle. And I understand by the scriptures that a miracle is a gift. And it is as you will. And Father, I'm asking for your will to be done. If you find fit, Father, to grant me a miracle, because I feel like my time, I still have some things I need to do. I still got things I didn't complete. Now you got to ask God, but God, I know I'm not through, but are you through with me? Because remember, we've taught in time past, God only gives you a span of time. It was what you do with that one time. Did I waste my span of time, God? And is it time for me to go? Because did I waste my span of time? Because everybody has a span of time and then time is up. I don't care. Let me tell you, when your time is up, no, nobody can keep you here. 
body. So I find out where I got off focus. Where was I distracted? What did I listen to that got me all distracted? What, how did I give place to the devil? Because the Bible says don't give place to the devil. He'll take it and run with it and drive you to the dirt. Where did I? But if you say, God, finished. Or you say, God, I'm tired. Don't want to do it no more. I know I'm right with you. And I know where I'm going. And then just look over at somebody and say, girl, bye. Boy, bye. I got to go. And I'm okay. Why? Because if you really understand death, you'll understand as a believer, it's okay to die. Now, God took me there. But it's for a reason. It's for a reason. Trying to make sure that you understand how to focus. Now, what you can use your faith for as far as a miracle, use your faith to believe that there is a miracle. Not to get one. Because, see, when you're in pain, you pain will make you forget everything. But you have to say, you know, by faith I believe in miracles. And I believe God is the only one. And you know what? I want you to know this about me. So you won't get no, no inkling of foolishness in your mind. And I know a lot of ministers like for you to run to them. And they got the deliverance ministry. And they'll lay hands on you. And they're going to get you recovered. And they're going to da-da-da-da-da. Fine and dandy. I'm telling you here and now. I cannot heal anyone. I cannot perform a miracle. All of that is God. God has not granted that to any man. I don't care what meeting you go to. I don't care how many thousands go. Can nobody heal you or do a miracle but God? So don't bring anybody in and say, oh, you need to talk to my pastor. You Because I'm not the healer. You know what I'm going to do? A proclamation of truth. That's what I'll give them. A proclamation of truth. But I don't have no, no... Well, would you lay hands on me for... Now, what do you want my hands laid on you for? And how do you know what my hands can do? I don't let just any and everybody lay hands on me. Over the years, you all could attest. I'm like, I don't just let anybody just lay hands on me for just, just to say they lay hands on me. I told you, ain't not, what, who... No more than women, they love... An emotional service full of healings and, and spitting up and, and casting out devils. They love all that kind of stuff. But that's because you're distracted. God don't want us dibbling and dabbling in demonology. Because that's all that is. Jesus said, I took care of that. I took care of that when I went into hell and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then gave you the keys to the kingdom. So I don't need you playing around with no demon, demonology. So I hope this helps someone, and I hope you, you'll be able to minister that to someone. Are you following me? So, any, let me just say this. Any, because there's many gifts of the Spirit. There's the gifts of the Spirit that's in 1 Corinthians. 
12, there's, there's gifts in Ephesians 4, there's gifts in Romans 12. When there is the gift, a gift of miracles, it has, it's a gift. It has nothing to do with your faith. But if you read, see, now you need to go back and read the. Remember, it says, as he wills. So if it's as he wills, I'm coming on bending knees, face to the floor, and say, God, forgive me. I have, I have let it slip away, but Father, I know as long as I have breath, I have another chance. I, I want to do, do the work that I know I need to do. He'll be there for you. Now, what you need to understand about these gifts, too. If you notice about the, 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 uh, the Holy, the, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. We all know that scripture. But if you notice about the armor, have you noticed all of it's for front? Put on the whole armor of God. And it tells you all about the whole armor. But all of the armor is for the front, not for the back. And if you understood about this Roman Empire and stuff and how they fought, is they had all their armor on the front, and all of them would back up because they would fight like in circles, and they would back up to each other's back, and that's the way they protected each other because all of their armor was on the front. So when they fought in a circle, all of them came back to back where everybody had each other's back. Are you with me? Understand that. Now, notice this. The whole arm of God is front. But these gifts that he left, all of those are rear gifts for the back. Remember the Bible says that the gifts is, are to profit with all? He said, these gifts that I left for you all is to profit everybody, to profit with all. My gift covering your gift, your gift covering my gift, we back up. And that's the way, that's the way we stay focused. Everybody's backed up with their gift, and all of their gifts are touching back to back, and we're in a circle, and we're keeping everything off of what we own and what we have, and our relationship with God, and staying focused. I'm not gonna let anybody, why? Everybody, we got scales. Everybody have a part. That's why you should know your gift. Within these gifts. And you should be operating in. So that we can back up on each other. And have each other's back. When situations and circumstances come up. That get us all focused. And get us all distracted. It's because somewhere you are off the battlefield. Or you do not have on the rear armor. And you are letting. Let me do, that's why we can't walk around here angry with each other. Mad at each other and foolishness. Because when you're angry at me, you don't have my back. No way. You're out of place. That's why we can't do that. That's why I said, you shouldn't be striving. You got to have on your armor, your front armor, the whole armor, and your rear armor, the gifts. 
And then you all stand strong and you stand line upon line, precept upon precept and make sure nobody in the body that belongs to this body, nobody is going to be distracted or focused because I have your back. That's called being focused. I said that's called being focused and undistracted. Protecting one another. Are you with me? So the most damnable thing we can look at in the body of Christ is for us to be in strife with one another. Because somebody's not going to be protected. I ain't got time for them. When I, well, you don't, you, you're not backing up with the armor that they need to be protected, to stay focused. No angry. We're not, we're not angry. We're not doing that. Oh, don't let the sun go down on you. Well, well, you know what? That doesn't mean don't go to bed without making it right. No, what it means is the moment you have a dis, uh, uh, something is off with you and a person, at that moment you should be already starting to try to fix it. We ain't finna walk away from this thing and we got odds against each other. Let's start fixing it. That's what that means. Let's do it immediately. Let's get ourselves, let's get out of this bondage. Well, you said this and you, okay, well, let's just, let's get out of this. Shouldn't be in the body of Christ. Amen? Now, let's read verse 19. Are we, what, what verse were we at? Let's go over to verse 19, if, you, if you're not there, I, I, because I'm going to finish this up with verse 19 uh, to 21. Are you there? For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to get out of jail, is basically what he said, through your prayers. According to my earnest expectations and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Listen, if you are a believer, there's nothing, listen, there's nothing wrong with dying. Especially if you're finished. Did you hear me? If you're a believer, there's nothing wrong with dying. As long as you finished your course. Did you hear me? As long as you finished your course. And have not, and have not forfeit your course. Then there's nothing wrong with dying. And you know, it amazes me how many people, Deacon, that always say, you know, they want to go to heaven and, and they, you know, they, they want to see God, Jesus, and they want to... But everybody, they're waiting for the rapture. They want to go in the rapture. Nobody want to go, you know... <laughs> crossing over is crossing over. But nobody wants to... Everybody want to go wait for the rapture. I want to go in the rapture. But nobody wants to die. But you're a believer. And you're going to die. Everybody's, oh yes, heaven bound. Well, I ain't ready to die. I'm, I'm going up in the rapture. Again, crossing over is crossing over. <laughs> you, amen? Just make, you, make sure you've done something for the Lord. 
I like what Paul said. I want you all to read at home, going on down to verse 22 through 24. You know, it, it's needful that he stay here. He was ready to go. See, when are we going to be so in tune and so focused and so undistracted that when it's time to go, he's ready to go. He was like, I know I want to go, but I know I need to stay here for them. That's why we shouldn't go around speaking death to people, negativity to people. We should always speak life. Read verse 22 to 24. We should always speak life. We, that should be coming out of our nostrils. That should be coming out. We should always be encouraging. We should always be lifting up. We should always be going forward. We should always have something good to say. Don't bring me no gloom and doom. And I'm not going to bring anyone else gloom and doom. You read all the way down. You read the rest of that chapter. You read the rest of that chapter. That doom and gloom do not bring do not bring it to me. Well, I just want to tell you, you I'm 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 gonna speak this over your life. If you don't get your right, life right with the Lord, you're gonna die in seven days. That's not God. God said that you're gonna. God said that your child is gonna do. That's not God. God said we should speak those things that are of God. Always have something positive to say, something strong to say, something encouraging to say. Some, the goodness of the Lord should always be spoken out of your mouth. Okay, you better stop it. You better stop. Well, you know, God is going to get you. No doom and gloom. You ain't got to tell nobody God's going to get them. You know why? Because they're already in it and, and they're already being God. You don't have to tell people when they're doing wrong. They know it. Are you with me? So good news should always be the words of life for us. Let me tell you, let's stop giving the devil all the credit. The devil's been defeated. Let's stop giving him a ministry. The devil said, and the devil did, and the devil, devil. I mean, most, a lot of ministries, it's the devil. I mean, they rarely talk about Jesus. It's the devil, devil, devil. You don't give him that kind of props when you have a God that's all-powerful. No, no. We're going to talk about the good news. And every time you talk about the good news, you get out of reach and bring the person that you're talking to out of reach of the adversary. We're getting out of the reach of him. We cannot let him tie us down and get us all crossed up in him. That's not who we are. Amen? So, I have other notes, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this flow into the, 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 the next session of teachings. But I want you to know, if you're depressed, you don't have any reason to be depressed. Let me tell you. You have no reason to be terrified. We're going to go back over this this week because I want you to get this. Because he, he's going to go back and, and, and tell you. There's no re- you, you should not be terrified. But you know depression will leave you and make you terrified? We are not, let me tell you, we are not terrified of the sissy, the devil. He's nothing but a big sissy, but we are terrified of everything he's doing. Giving the devil honor. Well, don't mess with the devil. What? You have to tell him, I'm not scared of the sissy, I got a father 
that defeated him, and that's what he don't want you to know. You're all focused. If you you are all focused and distracted if you're giving the devil honor like he's got so much power. The only power that he has is the one that you have permitted him to have. Did you hear me? The only power he has is the power that you have permitted him to have. He has no other power. He was defeated. He has no keys to death, hell, and the grave. Death is the last enemy to be defeated, the natural death. But those that die in the Lord, they never... Listen, those that die in the Lord never get buried. Those that die in the Lord, they never get cremated. No, they don't. There's no death for the believer. That spirit man is alive and well. It's the body. The the body is not them. If you think the body is them, you're all focused. That's not them. If you notice when a person dies, they don't even call them the person's name no more. Not unless they're just looking up a file, they call it a body. They call because it's not them. A believer never dies. The spirit man goes directly where it needs to be. The body, just the house. You can burn it, bury it, and do whatever you want to with it. Because it's not them. That's what gives you strength. That's what gives me strength. That's what keeps me going because I believe it. If you don't want to, if you let me tell you, if you don't believe it, you you can't keep going. But I believe it. That's how I keep going. That's how I stay sane. That's how I move forward. That's how I push forward. Is I believe this word. Nothing ever changed that. And I check myself daily to make sure I'm in right standing. Don't take, just don't take for granted that you think you're in right standing. I don't want to think that I'm in right standing. Because see, everybody, everybody judge themselves as faithful. Everybody think they're in right standing. Don't, don't just take your word for it. Ask God. I don't even want nobody else to tell me. Because see, all you know is what I show you. So you're going to say, oh yes, Pastor Hill's in right standing. That's because all you know is what I show you. And everybody is. All you know is what they show you. But I can't, you can't go by that. I can't go by that. I can't go by me studying, me with a title, me coming to church. I can't go by any of that to say I'm right with God. I gotta check with Him. And say, God, am I in right standing with you? Am I standing in the right place? Am I off focus? Have something been put in my spirit that got me off focus? Cause I think I'm on focus. He'll show you, you so off focus, you'll be like, oh my God. I was thinking I was, you know, doing the right thing. That's why you stop and ask. God, if I would, well, if I, you never stop and ask, you never know. Because guess what? God is not going to bogart you with it. You got to ask him. He said, you must want to stay like that. You ain't ask me because I surely will tell you like he's doing this morning. That's how he's going to tell you. If you can't hear him talking to you when you're by yourself, he's talking to you here. And now, ask him, God, am I in right standing with you?
ask him, if you need a miracle, ask him, God, am I in line for a miracle? And God, can I ask you for a miracle? If that's where I'm, or maybe you're in line for healing. God, I need the healing virtue and healing power that belongs to me as a benefit right. And Father, I thank you that you're going to work through every doctor, every nurse, every practitioner, every, everything that, everything that I need. And Father, I'm going to obey what they say. But Father, I'm looking for you, the healing power. You have to know how to talk to God. God said, bring me my words. And then God said, okay. Time to go banking. So you come to him, then he's going to say, it's time to go banking. What do you mean? He's going to say, it's time, let's come on, let's go to the bank. And let's see. He's going to say, now, you know I told you to build your treasures in heaven. Where moth and dust and corruption won't get to it. So you should have something in the bank. Some healing, some... Miracles, some whatever. Let's go check and see what you have in the bank and see can you make a withdrawal. Because why is he telling you to build treasures there? It's surely not for heaven. It's for your needs here on earth. So we go to the bank in prayer and say, Father, I come to withdraw healing. For the bank, I've been, I've been, I, I come for a miracle. You put your card in, and the card come back out insufficient funds. The last thing you put in here was, I stopped lying. That was put in, but you use that again. You use that. You use that. Four months ago. But you didn't replenish. You didn't keep. You didn't keep stacking. So now you're trying to withdraw from a treasure that have nothing in it. Do you think God said build your treasures in heaven for earth? I mean for heaven? No. He said build in there so when you get in trouble, you can you can you you can withdraw. You can say, God, I know I've been I've been stacking it up there. I've been doing everything that you said. I've been and my heart's been into it. It's there. God say anything you want. Or you went there and you put your card in and healing came forth. A miracle came forth. Why? Because it was in my treasure. Build your treasure. He said, Not on earth. Build it up in heaven. Because, why? Because man born of woman, there's going to be many days of trouble. You're going to need to be able to withdraw something. And guess what? He set it up that way. He set it up that way. But the best part about it is, sometimes God will only cover your overdraft. And that's called mercy. And that's called grace. And say, Father, thank you. It was empty, but your grace came through. God. And then, see, that makes you, then you need to change. You need to change now. Because His grace and His mercy, it covered me when I didn't have enough in there to get me where I needed to be. But His grace 
That's why he's so good. That's why we can sing that song and say, death could not hold him. He's so good. Thank you, God, for covering what I didn't have. And Father, I appreciate that grace. Some walk away with not even a thank you, and they go and live their life just the way, it's, just the way it was. And some say, my life will never be the same. Because I saw God come through. And I know I didn't have enough in there. I know God showed me. He showed me my balance. And it wasn't pretty. Guess what? Every one of us are going to come across that path. I guarantee you. Every one of us are going to come across that path. So what are you doing? Are you focused? See, when you start looking at things that don't make, doesn't even matter, and you start loading yourself in that, you're going to miss it. You're going to get off focus. You're going to be distracted. And you're going to be at the wrong time, right? Some of you don't know what's going to happen six months from now, three months from now. If you all go back and listen to some of my previous messages, I told you some things was going to happen in 2022. And they've already began. But, of course, you all never really believed me because my platform is not big enough. But guess what? That's your huckleberry. That's going that's to be your whole downfall, not believing because I don't have the platform that you think you need in order for it to be true. You're just going to watch it come true. And then guess what? Who are you going to be impressed with? Me. And that's stupid. Because it's always only God. Always only God. Never me. Never any minister. Because see, I know who I am. I know where I am. I know when I call upon Him. And I know how to hear from Him. And I know when I'm being pulled off focus because He shows me and He tells me. And I take a step back and say, wait a minute, let me, let me gather my thoughts. And sometimes, you know, my sons, they, I ride off and stuff, and, and I'm riding off because I'm thinking about whatever, and they're calling, where are you? And, and sometimes I just need to get away. And not because they're bothering me or anything, because I have my own private space. They don't bother me. I can do that. But sometimes I just need to just go, and I can think clear. And that's when I'm dealing with my, you know, God's dealing with me just personally about me. This ministry, I got I to gotta do some things. I got to get in and, and a million things going on and this, that, and the other, and us coming back to service and this happening, that happening. That, that, that's different. I'm talking about personally. And God said, no, I need to deal with you about that. No, you need to straighten this up. No, you need to straighten that up. You get to some quiet time and you, you get that right. God is telling you this morning, if you've been off focus, today is the day you need to get back on focus. Today is the day you need to be undistracted. Tomorrow, when you come to the meeting, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted about anything. Have your head clear. You've heard your word. Say, I'm building my treasure in heaven. Ask God, what's your balance? 
in heaven. Say, God, do I have anything in heaven? Some of you be shocked. You think you have a whole lot, and then God is showing you, be like, oh my. Well, actually, God is showing some of you this morning. You don't have quite a big balance, but you got, you got time to build it. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.